from Vistio. This is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss the most important strategies and ideas in developing an effective call center. And we focus specifically here on CXQA Live on the agent. Now, we like to remind you that our time here at noon Eastern every week is recorded for quality assurance. And what we mean by that is that we're actually recording this for a podcast by the name of Recorded for Quality Assurance. So now that we've gotten the cheesiness out of the way, this week, we're really excited to be joined by Hui Wu Curtis, and she's going to be joining us to chop it up about the importance of company culture for the CX agent. Thanks for joining us, Wei. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So as I said, we focus on the show every week on the idea of the agent and the fact that the agent is the single most important asset in any call center. And we think of it in this way, that agents who are corrected in their training and their connection with the company and the tools that they have that have all of those things are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business or brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business. They're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected, that they're going to produce more and better work. And then they're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And we call this the agent-centric call center philosophy. So this week, we're going to be zeroing in on the role that culture plays in helping agents to be safe, successful, and satisfied in their work. So when we think about the word culture, it's definitely one of those business buzzwords, right? So everybody that's in business that has either applied for a job or even just looked at job ads has seen companies talking about how great their culture is, right? And it's one of those things that everybody says, but there's a level of cynicism that most of us have when we hear companies talking about how wonderful their culture is. And uh, my friend Sherry Kendall calls that our BS meter going off, right? Where, where we're just sort of like, yeah, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. But even for those companies that truly understand the cultural vision, you know, what it is they want it to feel like and be like to be a part of their company, very few are able to actually put that cultural vision into action consistently over time. And the way that that manifests itself really is in the day-to-day lives of the company showing up in the way that the employees actually live. And this is maybe more important and more critical for CX than in other elements of business because of the degree to which the employees in CX are customer facing. They're literally the people talking to, interacting with, and creating and cultivating that relationship with your customer. And so the CX agents on top of that are often undervalued, underpaid, under-equipped, and they're facing unreasonable expectations and honestly, sometimes unreasonable customers, right? So they experience things that other parts of business don't always experience. And so the culture speak about everyone is safe and included and a part of this company, that that sort of patience with the inconsistency tends to run thinner when you're faced with those extreme situations and, and, and contexts that CX agents are often faced with. So 
this is kind of a unique scenario. We're talking about a, an issue, cult, company culture that impacts all of business, really. But when we focus on the CX agent and the way that their job actually is and how that impacts their life, company culture is even more important. So here we have Huey Wukordis, majority owner and COO of Support You, a new BPO that exists largely because of the vision that they have to have a unique culture amongst BPOs and to focus on their agents. And so uh, I'm just going to read the support you mission statement to help provide employment and development opportunities to untapped populations and empower our diverse communities to live inspired, purposeful lives. We bring out the best version of our people and they deliver awesome results for our clients and customers. We were really glad to have you on the show. So for starters, tell me how you came to such a unique mission statement for your company. I'm really curious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think it'll make sense if I give you kind of a little bit of uh, background and context. So, you know, majority of my career, I've always worked in much larger corporations. And, you know, oftentimes as I continue to climb the corporate ladder, I was oftentimes the only minority female. And, And far too often did I work with um, and supervise people that were really talented, but were just kind of hidden, right? Because they were never given opportunities to develop. They were never given opportunities to be part of projects. Because, I mean, ultimately, if you took a step back, they didn't look the part. They didn't act the part. They didn't have kind of the right credentials that the company was looking for. And I think those, that's a huge disservice and a huge miss for people. And so that's what really prompted me to, to create Support You, which is, understanding some of the challenges internally, I want, I want to be able to give people within special populations kind of a voice, you know, and, and a safe place where they, they really can like truly thrive um, and that everybody works together. And if we do, then we'll be equally successful. Mm. Wow. That's really, really, really strong. And it stands out, you know, when we think about the larger landscape of CX, we want to deliver customer experience and everybody knows that and everybody says that, but kind of understanding the untapped potential and the meaning of allowing folks who might not otherwise have opportunities to become the best version of themselves, which is essentially what you guys are talking about, really unlocks an enormous amount of, uh, of growth in not just revenue, not just happy customers, but in the meaning behind business and why we do what we do every day. So I really admire what you guys have put together. Now, zooming out just for a minute, mm-hmm. I want to think about this from 30,000 feet for just a second. Tell us about your philosophy of culture for a CX organization and why does it matter and how does it uniquely matter for CX? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I, I think when you when you look at CX in most organizations, you know, what is it that ultimately um, organizations want to do for their customers. They want to make sure that uh, customers are loyal. They want to make sure that they are uh, really kind of processing things as easy as possible for customers to deal with you. They want to make sure that customers are happy, right? Well, all of these kind of tenants really can apply internally. And so when you, when you take upon those kind of, um, I would say, ideas and kind of notions, right, um, much of kind of what you touched upon, you know, People do want to feel valued and safe. People want um, to feel like they're contributing something. And then far too often, when you when you get a diverse population together, you know, I, I often say that the frontline folks, they have all the answers. 
Mm. We don't because they hear it day in and day out. And so what a huge opportunity to really kind of, you know, you talk about data mining and all this statistics and reports and stuff. Well, they have it right there. And you can kind of, you know, again, kind of cross-reference those things to really understand, you know, what are what are some of the kind of basic needs of the customers? Where are the gaps and process improvement opportunities? And so you're not going to get that culture with employees if they don't feel, if they don't feel safe to really kind of voice their opinions and their feedback. And so I think it's really important to us to really have an employee-centric organization. And I know that sounds really markety and cheesy, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, people have to feel it, right? It's not something that you post on the wall. It's not something that you, you know, splash on your website and stuff. You have to walk around, you have to exhibit those qualities. And so we're very purposeful in terms of putting the right leadership team together that looks like people within our communities, the diversity, mm-hmm. and making sure that people really kind of take those values and, and take those objectives and trickle them down and that we hold everybody, especially each other accountable. Mm, that's honestly kind of beautiful. I mean, I, I think about, you know, the scenarios that I found myself in in life and in business and and some of the moments where I recognized that I didn't know even what I didn't know. And sure. the fact that people who have very different backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures, experiences are exactly what I needed to help me become the best version of myself as a person or as a leader in business. And there's a beauty in diversity that's understood rightly, not as something where someone needs to be artificially elevated, but as a scenario in which everyone is able to thrive as themselves and to try to create an environment where that is the norm and where that is modeled and where there is accountability for not only just providing that, but for providing excellence within that is very strong. It's a strong idea. And I think so many companies don't want to talk about these things beyond just putting the word diversity on their website or, you know, whatever the case may be, because diversity is not just an ethnic issue. It's not, there's so many elements of diversity, right? And inclusivity and the ability to be safe at work. And, and so like next week, we're going to be talking about trauma. Trauma is a safety issue for, for call center agents. It just is, you know, um, so there's a lot of layers to these conversations and, and, you know, I think it's fun to think about all the ways we could talk about them and try to make an impact, but thinking about the way you articulated that one thing that sticks out to me is I remember having a very, very discouraging conversation with my high school guidance counselor about my college choices. And, and she was a wonderful lady, honestly, truly wonderful lady. And one of the things that she did that really impacted me was she made fun of the poster that was behind her on the wall, which had some kind of surfacey platitude on it and basically just said, believe in yourself. Everything's going to be okay. And she pointed to it and she said, what's on the wall is true, but it's not true for you just because it's on my wall. And that was really impactful to me, you know, and um, she probably wouldn't even remember that conversation, but you know, she probably had a thousand times, but thinking about what puts something that's true in concept into action is really difficult, especially when it's a thorny issue, especially when it's an issue that it's very difficult for the majority of people to even understand conceptually. So I think as we think about CX, especially with some of the variables we mentioned, it becomes even more important. So thinking about the idea of being uh, helping agents to be safe, successful, and satisfied, we talked a little bit, or you talked a little bit about how 
culture can contribute to those ideas. Let's unpack that a little bit more in detail. Let's go a little deeper. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it goes back to the idea of, you know, caring versus saying that you care are two very different things, right? And so many organizations, I'm going to generalize this, but many organizations that I've entered, um, really there's there's inconsistencies, mm-hmm. right? You can say one thing and some people absolutely live it, others don't. You know, it was, it was eye-opening to me when there was um, a higher level executive that took over a new department and he pretty much went in and did like a huge assessment. And basically anybody that wasn't living and displaying the values of our organization automatically got ranked much lower in their annual reviews. Hmm. And so he was really trying to, you know, reinforce kind of what was most important to us. And so culture is this kind of ambiguous thing, right? It's a collection of many things that make up our culture, but I feel like it, it really kind of boils down to kind of the behaviors and kind of how you communicate with one another and, and to the customers. You know, if, if people feel, if, if employees feel cared for, yeah. then that care is automatically translated to the customers that, that we help. 100%. I feel like there have been times for me, I don't know anybody else, where the situation that the company was facing was very difficult but I felt like I was ready to stay on that journey with the company because of the relationship that I had with either my supervisor or someone else at the company that really made me feel like I was safe and that I belonged mm-hmm. and that we were on this mission together, even though it's a difficult mission. And I like to use the military analogy where you know, you're know you in a foxhole together and all the bayonets are facing out, mm-hmm. right? There's no bayonets facing in, in the foxhole. That's a safe environment, right? The bullets might come, the attack's going to come from the outside, but we at least are not turning the, the, the guns and the bayonets on each other because we belong together. We have a shared sense of mission and purpose. So, you know, I, I think about that analogy a lot, but, you know, Huey, I, I feel like business gets really hectic and stressful and it's really easy to reduce our decisions down to just focusing on revenue or just focusing on profitability. And that's pretty short-sighted ultimately because our ability to continue to grow our revenue to be profitable as businesses really depends on the people in the business and the, the actions that those people take. And the actions that those people take are directly related to how safe they feel within the culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times do we say, you know, we we create this wonderful culture and really kind of a safe culture and we want your feedback and want your opinions. And then when people give it, you know, there's a bit of retaliation or they really don't want to hear it, especially if it doesn't reinforce what they feel should be reinforced, right? Don't make any waves, just keep doing what you normally do. And so really kind of creating that, that safe culture means you have to be respectable to one another and then be okay with conflict. Be okay with thoughts that differ and be okay with just taking a step back and taking a moment to really kind of listen to others. Yeah, no, that's really good. I I remember starting work for a very large retailer on the distribution side of their business in an orientation. They talked about their open door policy. And the first thing that my trainer told me was the door might be open, but that doesn't mean you want to walk into it. And I thought, Ooh, that doesn't sound good at all. I was relatively early in my career, but I mean, sadly, that's the reality in a lot of companies, right? right? Where 
we say the door is open. We say we want to receive feedback. We want to know what's going on, but really, no, we just want to leave everything alone and keep going and, and, and get through to tomorrow. And ultimately that undermines everything that we're trying to do. Right. Cause it's, it's easy. Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate what you shared about that. So I, you know, we try to have, we're hoping to have conversations with people throughout organizations of different types. So, you know, in the CX world, of course, you have BPOs, you have in-house organizations, you have consultants that help both types figure out how to handle things. There's a lot of different types of players and and so forth. And when you think about company culture, uh, every different part in the org chart from the C-suite VP level down to directors and managers, down to the agents themselves are going to have a different view and a different experience. And it's always refreshing to kind of learn about one another's expect, experience and perspectives. And I'm hoping to facilitate that conversation here in, in this time every Tuesday. But when you think about each of those components, Way, um, how would you relate this issue of company culture differently to each of them? Yeah, you know, I, I would say that I can explain it better with an example. So, you know, we we were going into a meeting to talk to one of our vendors because they just they they were having issues. And so uh, one of my supervisors, you know, he kind of gave me a rundown in terms of what he wanted to cover. And it was great, very thorough, very objective. And I think it's really, really good information. So the meeting started and he really kind of fumbled and he didn't quite get his ideas across. Hmm. And it, it really kind of took me back because it's like we, we just talked about it and he was great and very articulate. And then I realized after time, it's, it's because he was trying to use big words He was trying to sound sophisticated. And because he was so focused on that, he lost really kind of the the meat and the intention of the meeting. Hmm. And so afterwards, I gave his manager some feedback, which is, you know, he has really good things to say. Just be himself. Hmm. Hmm. Right. And so there's a lot of examples like that. Or, you know, many times I see people kind of in higher level positions. They love the sound of their own voice. Right. And so I often go into these meetings and saying, you know what, just think about it and wait. And wait isn't defined as such, but wait is you have to ask yourself, why am I talking? (laughs) Because if you're doing the talking, you're not doing a lot of the listening and the learning. And and so I, I feel like at every level, it's our responsibility to continue to reinforce culture to constantly be persistent, to make sure that we create the right behaviors and the right environment. Mm. And then while people see that across the board and the consistency of the leadership team, then that really kind of equates to more trust in the organization. I really want to zero in on one of the elements that you just brought forward. And that is the leaders that are in an organization, who they are as people, Mm. how they handle themselves in real life situations with other people is what's going to actually translate into the culture of your company. So, so, you know, people that are really good in an interview are not always exactly how they appear to be in that interview. Right. Right. And so even if you have a few references that are provided and you, you contact those references and, you know, you really, really have to have a different type of hiring process than most of the Western world uses to even begin to understand who people are and and who they are because you can't sort of translate a resume into how they'll handle situations necessarily or how they relate to other people 
but who they are will be the biggest variable. And I think about those moments in leadership where you need to receive difficult feedback from someone who on the org chart is technically lower than you, right? right. And the desire to be better, to grow, to listen is such a key variable there. And that is honestly what creates in large part that safe culture, right? And it models also for the person who is technically subordinate, what it looks like to have a growth mindset as an employee. Right. So yeah, if, if you've got a leader who doesn't want to grow and who doesn't care about what's true, who doesn't care about what's best for the company, why would the employee? Right. And it just kind of reduces everything down to every man for himself, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when you think about these contact centers, you know, you're working with a few hundred, few thousand people, you know, and, and typically in organizations, the call center is probably the most diverse department out of all the areas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've done a really good job of like dehumanizing our own employees mm -hmm. because it's a matter of what we do day to day in this reporting and it's about uh, performance and about KPIs and hitting quality scores and, and doesn't leave a lot of room to really kind of bring back the humanity to people because these are just, you know, check marks that you need to cover in any given day. And so I, I think if you can just really take a look at that perspective, it's easy to lose sight of it. But you also have to look at your technology and your processes. You know, is a supervisor's day absorbed by 70% of their day is taken up by administrative tasks? Well, then that's not being employee centric. So you really have to look across the board and it's not just people and it's not just behavior, but it's everything. And, you know, I call it an ecosystem because everything has to work in unison in order to make sure that your, your culture is intact and that your people are getting what they need out of an organization and what makes you different and special and why people want to stay. Mm, that's really strong. Thinking about that sort of culture ecosystem and We've talked about lots of the different elements of that. Yeah. But one of the things that struck me as we've been kind of going along today is a lot of the people that might be viewing this content are in situations where that cultural ecosystem is broken. Sure. And where they're fighting discouragement in their daily work. And they might just not really know where to go from here. So, you know, maybe we could kind of walk up the ladder and talk about from an agent standpoint, from a manager standpoint, and so forth. What are some things that an agent could do, for example, way, if they find themselves in that broken cultural ecosystem to improve, at least for themselves, if nothing else, their daily work? And then what can they do to help their organization? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think it first starts with characteristic of you have to be brave. You have to be brave and be okay with providing um, feedback, whether it's good or bad, and what I call managing up, right? As employees, you have certain expectations that you want to see out of your boss. And so if they're not exhibiting those or they're not giving it to you, I often tell people, you got to tell me, right? And, and so we have to all be okay with it. You know, and I often tell people too, it's like, Rob, you know, love it. Make sure you give me all the feedback that, that you, you want. Look, initially, I'll probably be mad because that's just human nature. And then I'll get over it and then we'll go and solution it, right? And, and so you have to be able to give people a little bit of grace in terms of the reaction piece, mm -hmm. but make sure you follow up with now what are we going to do about it? 
because it comes full circle. You know, culture is not a thing where it's just one way or it's one person's responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities. And so we have to be able to very intently provide feedback that's going to help that particular leader or the rest of the organization be that much better. Yeah. And I think the delivery as well as the expectation of initial response are sure. both critical variables, right? So, right. you know, if, if you're in an agent role and you come at your supervisor with insults and, you know, a very combative approach, that's almost certainly going to end poorly for all involved, right? Right. Um, and then also, as you said, it's really a wise point, understanding that difficult feedback is, well, difficult. So there, there's an adjustment period for any of us when we're hearing something difficult. Not everybody handles that the way we would or the way we feel comfortable um, initially, but giving people an opportunity to process and just kind of managing your expectations with that regard. I think that's really good advice. And I, I also think too, you know, when you're dealing with a, a, an environment that we have now in the economy where, and it, it has cooled off and slowed a little bit where there are so many remote work from home type mm-hmm. jobs available and that's globally, right? The, the economy has changed globally due to the necessity related changes that happened with the pandemic. You know, people don't have to relocate or uproot their whole family as they once did in order to change jobs. Right. And, and people with more stops on their resume and the same period of time are looked at more favorably than they were two years ago, because, you know, that landscape has changed, that expectation has changed to a certain degree as well. And so that does give uh, an agent potentially the, the sense that I need to be able to speak clearly. And as you said, courageously to my supervisor with, with honest, genuine feedback about what's good, about what's not, mm-hmm. and then sit back and see how that is responded to see if there are changes that are made and to try to keep that positivity. Right. And, you know, I often tell people too, it's like, you know, part of our job is to make the invisible visible. Mm. So we've got to be able to continue to reinforce and share those narratives where, you know, we do take difficult feedback and show that we've done something with it because people don't know, people aren't involved in those conversations. Right. And so how do you visibly show and communicate that to the rest of the team to kind of continue to reinforce that, this is a culture where people can share opinions and feedback and that you're not going to be retaliated against and, and you're actually, you know, recognized and rewarded for it. Yeah. And again, we're hoping that this conversation will facilitate a shift where it's not present towards everyone from the C-suite down actually seeing the agent's feedback as extremely valuable and and that they would be, as an organization, hungry for that element of the value that an agent can provide to the entire business. And and I, you know, there have been several times where, as a customer, you know, I've got a pretty legitimate complaint about what's happened, and the agent ends up saying something like, "Yeah, that's why I don't do business with this company." And I'm like, "That's not good." Um, and and you think about that kind of feedback. What if the organization was actually listening to its agents? And saying, you know, what is your view of our whole brand? What is your view of our company and what that what we actually provide for our customers? And think about the value that the agent adds to the entire business. And I would say that it, it is an intentional cultural element. If that intentional cultural element 
exists of that feedback being valued and acted upon within the organization. It's it's interesting to think about and to dream about what that could look like if that were adopted more broadly. Right, absolutely. And you know, when, when we're talking about culture, like it's it's not easy. You know, you have so many different competing priorities that it absolutely can be, you know, lost in the shuffle. And so, you know, you really have to be very intent to always keep your focus on on the people and the culture because you're right. There, there are other things that are more important. I'm not going to dispute that, you know, revenue and profitability isn't important, but ultimately at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's those people that help you become profitable. And then those revenues come in. And so without them, you know, you and I can't answer a thousand calls. Mm-mm. This is not going to work. Right. But yet we lose sight in terms of the value and the importance that they play within our organization. And it, it really is oftentimes, you know, people, as they kind of move up the corporate line, they really kind of lose sight of it, right? Because then it shifts from people and people development and people management to now financial management, spreadsheets, meetings, strategy, right? And so it moves further, further away from people. And, and it really takes the people at the top to really resonate that down. But we don't necessarily do a good job in terms of coming full circle with why and how it's important. And then what do we get out of it? Absolutely. And then just living it out, you know, interaction to interaction, decision to decision, you know, uh, employees within a company know if they've been there for very long at all, whether or not the pitch they heard in the interview process and the slide deck that was in the orientation training is actually lived out by the company's leaders or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, many times it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? I mean, oftentimes when people meet me, I introduce myself. Very rarely do I ever get my title. You know, we were remodeling the call center and stuff, and people kind of. One lady, she likes to read. She likes to read in kind of a quiet place, and we we took her space and we had to make an office out of it. And I said, just use my office. And she's like, are you sure? I purposely put a couch in my office. You know, so people can sit and I don't know, cry or or lay down and pout about something. It's and it's okay because we're going to have good and bad days. And when she, when I would come in and she was still reading, she's like, oh, and she would quickly gather her stuff and leave. I said, just take your time. And you know, I'm just going to read emails and stuff. And so there's little things like that, that put everybody on the same level. Really people appreciate, right? So it doesn't have to take big things, mm-hmm. but just to make sure that, you know, to me, it's like, it's, it's not always, Somebody told me a long time ago, it's not always about being right. It's about being kind. Yeah. And so if you're kind to your employees, they in turn will return it tenfold. It's really true. In terms of loyalty and performance, and you can hear it in their voice in terms of how they truly care for the customers, because that just resonates your internal culture. Mm, It does. And I do agree with you. I think we can say all the right things. We can even make the big banner decisions in consistent uh, ways with what we say, but it's those little moments of kindness and humanity and empathy and just connection, honestly, that are going to be the proof in the pudding for company culture in any business, but as we've discussed in unique ways for CX. So, you know, we've come to the end of our uh, promised half an hour really appreciate everyone's time. Huey, thank you so much for joining us. This content will be available in a few days and um, this has been wonderful. 
Thank you for having me. All right, everybody have a great Tuesday. Take care, everyone. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.